The New York Jets are now on the board. Okay, Jet fans, Darrell Revis. Being in New York has been one of the greatest blessings. Zach Smith Avenue, brand that one right now. The New York Jets flag. Welcome to another episode of NFL Draft Preview. The draft is here. Ethan Greenberg, Dane Brugler, the draft Thursday night. We're coming in hot. We got a seven-round mock draft right now. The Jets' last pick is in round five. But we're going to talk about all of them. We're going to give a little preview. But first, I got to know, Dane, this week for you, like what are the days leading up to the draft for you? Because for for someone like me, a little calm before the storm, then Thursday, Friday, Saturday comes around, pedal to the metal. I assume that's not the case for you, though. Yeah, you know it's crazy. Uh, I first and foremost just try to preserve my voice a little bit so I don't I don't lose it before uh, draft weekend. But it, you know I think it's it, there's a lot of noise this week and a lot of it is just late info that makes sense but isn't going to happen. Uh, a lot of it is spin. Um, a lot of it is just rumors, and so it makes it tough to try to weed through everything and figure out fact from fiction. Um, I, I, every year th- this happens and it, it could be tough to just figure out what makes sense because and it's not always what makes sense because sometimes what makes sense to, to me or you maybe is not what makes sense to one of these teams and what's actually going to happen. And it doesn't ha- help that this is the most unpredictable draft we've had in a long time. And a big part of that is because we, we're missing those tent poles, those quarterbacks. Last year, you know, we knew quarterbacks are going one, two, three. So it was a little bit easier to forecast, okay, four, five, six, and, and, and so on. This year, good chance we don't have any quarterbacks until maybe the 20th pick. And so there's just there's no no real feel for where those quarterbacks are going to start coming off the board. And so that makes it even tougher to figure out, okay, how's that top 10 going to play out? Um, you know, even the top three. Uh, I don't know that the Jets have a great feel for who's going to be left on the board. Uh, when they pick at four. So it makes it really interesting. And we're going to talk about the, just some general draft questions after the seven round mock draft. Let's dive right into it. All right. Pick number four, you're throwing a curveball at us because you've, you've published a seven round mock draft for the athletic. You had Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon as your fourth overall pick. Now the fourth overall pick in this mock draft is Iki Aquanu out of NC state. Why did you go with Iki? Why the change? And what do you think that he adds to an already crowded Jets offensive line room. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just I'm not I'm not thinking uh Kayvon Thibodeau at four. I don't I just I'm not sure it's going to happen. Um and I think they'd love to get a pass rusher, but is Jermaine Johnson uh too is four too early for him? I think that's the question. Um and if it is, then we're looking at offensive line because I don't think they go corner. And if they don't go corner and they don't go Kayvon Thibodeau, then we're really looking at offensive line or Jermaine Johnson. Um, and I opted for the offensive lineman here. And, you know, Mekhi Becton is a little bit of a wild card right now. Is he in the long-term plans? What's his outlook for this upcoming season? Um, I think there's a lot of unknown there. And, and there's a lot of speculation, a lot of we just have to wait and see how it plays out. But with Ikea Kwan, who's sitting there from NC State, a guy that can be your tackle, um, has a, a ton of potential, uh, you know, long-term has a lot of things going for him that you, you feel like as uh, he gets more reps as the technique and uh, the awareness develop, he's only going to get better and better and better. So Iki Aquanu, that's my pick right now at number four. I mean, ask me in 10 minutes, maybe that'll change. But, uh, you know, I think for right now, let's go with Iki Aquanu uh, to the Jets at number four. Um, I think that you know, there's so many different directions they could go here. 
and offensive tackle, uh, it's definitely one of those directions that's that, that's on the board for them. All right, there's a lot to unpack here. My first question is about Icky as a player. You view him mm-hmm. as a tackle, right? Because mm-hmm. he does have tackle guard versatility. So you think for the Jets at four, he would play tackle? No question. I, I think the Jets love their guard situation. Uh, you know, with AVT and Tomlinson, I, I think they they really feel like they have uh, two of the best guards in the NFL uh, tandem. And so now at tackle, you know, they they really like George Fant. Um, and it's just a matter of do they see Iquanu as a clear upgrade uh, at tackle uh, over the Mackay Becton situation? And that's that that's an unknown right now, you know. And, and so uh, if they have a chance to go get Iquanu, I, I think that's in play. Uh, he's a guy that played some guard, but mostly played tackle at NC State. And he first and foremost, just a devastating run blocker. That that's what he does. That, that's his bread and butter, explosive at contact. Uh, the play violence is outstanding. Uh, one of the best finishers uh, I, I've ever scouted on the offensive line. Um, and then hit the the strides that he has made in pass protection. Um, and, and he's still a work in progress there a little bit. He'll, he'll tend to overset quite a bit. But I, I think the strides that he has made, the improvements just in the last calendar year, tells me, it gives me great optimism that he's going to continue to get better and better and better as a pass blocker. So um, Iki Aquanu, uh, I, I think that he's going to be well-liked in that building and, you know, could be uh, it's going to be on a short list. I think of the players they discuss at number four, if he's still there, you never know. He could be off the board uh, in the first three picks. I, I know the Jaguars like Iki quite a bit. Uh, the Texans are looking at him as well. So no guarantee he's going to be there. But if he is there, he's at least part of that conversation for Joe Douglas, uh, Coach Sala, uh, and the uh, Jets' brain trust as they make their decision. All right, my second question revolving pick number four is, you've you've been banging the drama of no cornerback at four, so you believe, for the Jets. And I'm just curious your reasoning behind it, because the Jets, they could use an upgrade at cornerback. They upgraded with DJ Reed. They have Bryce Hall and Brandon Eccles. That room would look totally different where it ended last year if they added someone like Sauce Gardner at number four. But Joe Douglas hasn't selected a cornerback in before round five as general manager of the New York Jets. That's Bryce Hall and Michael Carter II. Actually, I looked it up. Since 2015, Joe Douglas has been a part of the Bears, the Eagles, and now the Jets. The earliest selected corner was Sidney Jones in round two for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, is that the reasoning purely behind why you think corner will not be a New York jet position at four. That's part of it. The other part is the coaching staff, you know, coach Sala coming from, uh, you know, that, that system where they play a ton of zone and they just, I don't think they feel like they need to invest a top five pick at the position, even though corner clearly a premium position in today's NFL with the scheme that they have and where uh, coach Sala comes from, how they've invested in corner in the past. I just don't think they feel like they need to use that high of a pick, that type of price tag on the position. Um, And who knows, maybe, maybe I'm wrong and and maybe they'll surprise us and take a corner there. But I just based on their history, I don't think that they view corner as being uh, that a a, a position. They have to draft that early. They can wait to the second round and feel really good about the guy they're going to get there and focus on, pass rush because that is coach Sala where he's come from that's what he wants he wants pass rush it all starts up front for uh that coaching staff and I think Joe Douglas coach Sala there I think they're aligned in that thinking all right so that brings us to pick number 10 
where you said Jermaine Johnson could be in the consideration at four, maybe a little early. He is your pick at number 10 in this mock draft for the green and white. If you're Joe Douglas, are you holding your breath that Jermaine Johnson even is there at 10, or do you feel pretty confident that he'll be available? Yeah, I, I think that you're feeling good about your options because even if it, Jermaine Johnson isn't there, uh, I think they feel pretty good about one of the receivers that would be there. So I, even I think they prefer to go pass rush. Again, it all starts up front for that scheme. They want to get more disruption. Um, I, I think they'd still feel good about a, a Garrett Wilson or a Jamison Williams or you know whoever ends up being, uh, whichever receiver ends up being there at 10. So uh, you, you look at how uh, the top 10, the top nine, Atlanta at eight, Seattle at nine, two possible landing spots for uh, Jermaine Johnson. Uh, Jermaine Johnson's a good player. And, you know, it, it would not shock me if he went four. I, I think that's at least, uh, there's at least a chance that that could happen. So um, I, I don't know that he'll be there at 10, but I, there's a decent chance he will be. And I think that might be the ideal scenario for the Jets. Pass on, pass rusher at four, still get a guy that you really, really like at number 10. Um, and, and I think the Jets are in good shape uh, addressing both the offensive and defensive lines uh, with those two top 10 picks. Obviously, this draft is more unpredictable, it feels like, than years past because of mm -hmm. no clear-cut blue-chip talent, no clear-cut quarterback at the top of the list. So if you're the Jets or if you're a Jets fan and you're and you're looking at the top 10 and you're crossing your fingers, Jermaine Johnson is there, like who, who are other teams or what are other teams that you're like, if he would just get past this team because I could see that team going in Jermaine Johnson, then he's got a really good chance at going or being available at number 10 for the Jets. Yeah, I, I, seven, eight, nine, I think. You know, the Giants, uh, the Falcons, the Seahawks. I, I think all three of those teams could use a pass rusher. Uh, there's a good chance we see Kayvon Thibodeau go to one of those three teams. Um, and, and I think there's uh, every team I've talked to in, in terms of, you know, because I, I think people need to realize that NFL teams do mock drafts as well. It's not just those of us on the outside. You know, people like to mock the mock drafts. Teams do mock drafts because they want to try and forecast, okay, uh, if we think this team's doing this, this team's doing that, okay, this is who will be available for us. So teams that are picking in at teens, they're doing a mock draft of the first 12 picks. <clears throat> Talking to those teams, they have no idea. It, they say it's so unpredictable. They say it, they, be prepared for a shocking pick. It's going to happen. Um, and, and so I, I think that their chaos is ready, uh, and it's just a matter of where does that chaos start? Is it somewhere top 10? Does, do we wait to the teens? So there, there's a lot of intrigue with uh, how it's all going to play out because I don't think it's going to happen the way that a lot of us think it might. And, and NFL teams are preparing for that. All right. So the Jets pick four and pick 10. Icky Aquanu, Jermaine Johnson, they have 35 and 38. Pick number 35, you're going wide receiver. Wide receiver on the board, Jahan Dotson. Maybe not the biggest guy, although you love his catch radius. And are you nervous at all about the size in the Jets wide receiver room with Corey Davis coming back, the biggest of the bunch? Then you have Elijah Moore. Then you have Braxton Berrios. You add Jahan Dotson. What does he add to the group? And what do you think about the height discrepancy between those three guys and Corey Davis? Yeah, it's certainly fair uh, to talk about the height. Um, it, it's not there. But I will say that uh, I, I think that Jermaine John, or excuse me, uh, Jahan Dotson has probably the largest catch radius uh, of any sub 5'11 receiver I've scouted. Uh, maybe the best ball skills too. I mean, it, it's really uh, fascinating to watch him. The tracking skills, that that my ball mentality that I'm going to go up there and get it. Um, and he's an outstanding athlete, 4'4", four, 3 four, speed. Uh, I, I mean, if you leave him in one-on-one -on -one coverage, he can set up those moves and, and create that separation, give the quarterback space. 
So, uh, you know, if you feel comfortable that, you know, he can get off press, he's not going to get out physical uh, by uh, physical DBs that he's going to see in the NFL, then you're going to love John Dotson and what he offers. Now, <clears throat> there's a chance he's off the board in the first round. But there's also a chance he might slip to the second round, just like Elijah Moore did last year, and could be right into the laps of the Jets, who are picking pretty earlier in the second. So uh, Jahan Dotson definitely won the watch there. Who are other receivers in that mold that could go round one, could go round two, and it wouldn't surprise you either way? I know you mentioned Elijah Moore was in that mm-hmm. mold. Uh, like another guy that comes to mind from last year, Rashad Bateman, feels like he was in that mold. He ended up going in round one. So if Jahan Dotson is one of those guys, who are the others? Uh, from from this draft or past drafts? From, from this draft. Like, is it George Pickens? Like, is it that? Right. Like, who are some of the guys that are in that Jahan Dotson could be first round, could be at the top of the second? Yeah, I think Sky Moore from Western Michigan is also in that group, that that tier. It, it, if I – just just my opinion, I think the top tier is Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, Drake London. Those are the top three. And then that second tier is a crowded group. Uh, that's where I think you have Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, uh, George Pickens is in there, Sky Moore is in there, Christian Watson from North Dakota State um, is in there. Um, and so I think that w- with that group, you're trying to figure out, okay – because every team is going to look at these guys a little bit differently. Some are going to bank on the traits that Christian Watson offers, while others are going to look at, okay, with George Pickens, that competitiveness, that he's got true X traits. Uh, he can be a wide receiver one for us down the road. They're going to look at Pickens, uh, but some will look at Sky Moore and say, okay, well, you know, he fits exactly what we need as that uh, underneath player, has speed, has yak potential. So each one of these receivers brings something a little bit different, and each team is looking for something a little bit different receiver. And that'll dictate who ends up going first round, who slips to the second, and, and who knows. I, there's a good chance we could see as many as seven receivers in the first round. That's only happened once before in NFL draft history. That was 2004. with That was the Larry Fitzgerald draft. So uh, seven receivers are possible in the first round. If we see six, okay, who falls? Who's that guy? Is it, is it Dotson? Is it Pickens? Is it, uh, is it Watson? So a lot of intrigue with these receivers. How many go first round? How many are still left? For those teams in the early second, still looking for a pass catcher. And then the Jets have pick 38. Somebody that we really haven't talked about, Kyler Gordon out of Washington, Mm -hmm. teammate of Trent McDuffie, a projected first-round pick. What's been the pre-draft arc with Kyler Gordon? Felt like everybody was extremely excited to see how he would test. Didn't meet expectations, it feels like. And what kind of player is he? And do you think that he's a good fit for what the Jets offer from a schematic standpoint? Yeah, and I think with with Kyler Gordon, he's uh, you know average size, just under six foot, one hundred ninety five pounds. Uh, ran a four five two at the combine, which uh, you know a little uh, it was a little bit of a letdown based on the hype that you kept hearing. And uh, but he goes to the pro day, stands on that four five two, did not uh, run the forty again, but the vertical thirty nine and a half, uh, short shuttle under four seconds, three cone six six seven, which is just unbelievable. Um, I don't care what position. If you're under six, uh, if you're under six seven, that's uh, that, that's a pretty remarkable time. Um, and he also put up twenty on the bench. So this is a guy that has physicality. Uh, he's not a, a guy that's not afraid to uh, uh, you know play with uh, play with a little bit of power, a little bit of strength uh, to his game. So Kyler Gordon, I, I think, is a you know coming from that Washington scheme where they played a lot of zone. Uh, you know, they played inside outside. They asked their corners to do a lot of things. And so Kyler Gordon. Maybe not as advanced as Trent McDuffie, uh, his Washington teammate, who likely goes somewhere top 20. Uh, you know, I think there's still some areas of his game that he needs to mature, but the fluidity that he plays with, the toughness that he plays with, 
Um, I think that that's something that will appeal to the Jets and how he would fit their scheme. All right. So the Jets address corner in round two, as opposed to pick number four, like we talked about earlier, moving on to pick 69 in the third round, you have the Jets addressing the offensive side of the ball, more interior Luke Gedeke. So what do you think also a central Michigan guy teammate of Bernard Raymond played with the Jets on the senior bowl, but didn't really play in mobile, right? He was, he was out of the lineup. And what do you think he offers as a pro? Yeah, and I mean, you just had to look at uh, uh, Luke after he, because it was like the first practice and he had to go to the locker room and he was in tears because uh, he was so excited to show what he could do at the Senior Bowl. And uh, unfortunately, because of that hamstring injury, uh, wasn't able to go. And he wasn't able to go at the Combine, wasn't able to go at the Pro Day. They actually had to have a, uh, a separate uh, workout that a, a lot of uh, teams were represented at, including the Jets, uh, to see him work out. And I was told he had a really good workout that day. So um, a, a fascinating backstory started, uh, you know, kind of enrolled at a division three school um, and, and kind of just walked under the football team after high school, uh, bet on himself, transferred up to central Michigan. And uh, he moved from tight end to offensive tackle, started at right tackle in 2019. Then he missed all of 2020 with an injury, returned in 2021 back at right tackle and really put himself on the NFL map. Um, because he does, he's not the longest player. Um, I, a lot of teams, I think uh, they want to move him inside guard or center, but I think he gives you that position versatility where you think he could play center. You think he played guard. Um, and so for a guy like Luke Gedeke, he's maybe your long-term center. He's a guy that's going to help you, uh, at guard, giving you that depth. And then in a pinch, he could kick out the tackle and, uh, give you some reps there. So uh, that, that position flex is a big part of why I think Luke Gedeke is going to be a day two pick possibly the Jets there in the third round. For Gadecki year one, are you hoping that he's like a, a just a versatile backup offensive lineman? If somebody gets nicked up here or there, that's where he finds the field. And then hopefully in year two, he projects as a potential starter. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think he's a utility man. You know, he, he's your, he's the, he's the sixth offensive lineman, first guy off, uh, off the bench there. And uh, it can do a lot of things for you. We know how much Joe Douglas wants to build on the offensive line. And they've done a, a great job of that up to this point, and they're not done. Uh, and obviously, but and that shows in this draft, to this mock, this mock draft, I should say, uh, with Icky at four, and then coming back here with an interior offensive lineman in the third round, a guy that gives you starting potential uh, on the interior, center or guard, but gives you that depth, most importantly, where he can fill in where wherever's needed uh, if there is someone that goes down with an injury. All right, so let's move on here, Kirby Joseph. Safety out of Illinois. The Jets gave a bit of a facelift to that safety group. You add Jordan Whitehead. You bring back LaMarcus Joyner. They have high hopes for Jason Pinnock moving from corner to safety, as he did in his first season as a New York Jet. Started a couple games. But what does Kirby Joseph add to that room, and what is he like as a prospect? Range, speed. Um, he was a one-year starter at Illinois, kind of a little bit off the radar, and uh, he was able to get on the field as a senior this past year, and he just continued making plays. Five interceptions, uh, a really long player, over 33-inch arms, and, and that shows. I mean, they, they played him deep, he, and so they let him, they trusted him to uh, be that last line of defense and use that speed, that range, so he can make plays at either sideline. Uh, he can run the alley, make plays as, as a tackler. So you look at the play speed, you look at the ball skills. Uh, there's a lot to like about Kirby Joseph as as an ascending player. Uh, Want to see him get a little bit stronger, uh, but he's a guy that's going to help you on special teams. He's a guy that's going to compete for starting reps. 
Um, I, I, I really do like him for uh, the Jets scheme and what they'd like to do on defense, especially in that back half. Is that mostly because of his speed or because of the range or both? Both. And, and the reaction quickness that he plays with, I think, really fits uh, what they what they ask of their safeties. Um, and I talking to Kirby, uh, he credits his volleyball background for his reaction quickness. Uh, he's a big volleyball player in high school, um, which, you know, a lot of times we talk about, uh, you know, wrestlers with uh, football players, uh, former wrestlers or former basketball players or, you know, a lot of track guys. Kirby Joseph was a volleyball player. And so, you know, he, he, uh, he credits that sport as really helping develop that those, those reflexes, the reaction quickness. And I think that's something that uh, the Jets really prioritize and what they're looking for at safety. All right. So the Jets add back in the back end of the secondary with their second pick of the fourth round, six picks after 111. You have them going back to the offense with a tight end. And the Jets added a pair of tight ends in free agency. In this scenario, they wait until round four. They add Charlie Kohler. All right. So with Charlie Kohler, what does he add that maybe the Jets don't have right now and with CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin? Or is this just simply a depth piece? And in case somebody gets hurt, he steps in and the drop-off is seamless. Yeah, I think he's more of a depth piece. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that's not really going to threaten defenses vertically, um, even though he did run a 4.62. Um, and it's in the 40 yard dash, the pro day, you don't see him as a guy, as a seam, uh, stretching type of tight end, but he's really good in contested situations. Um, he's a guy that, uh, plays through contact, uh, crowded catch points really don't phase him all that much. So a guy that can help you in the red zone, um, you know, needs to get a little bit better as a blocker, but this is a high floor player, just the type of guy you want in your depth chart. Really, really smart. Won the academic Heisman this past year. Um, so just, you know, you know what you're getting from an intelligence perspective. Uh, tough, smart, competitive. The type of guy that I think this coaching staff and Joe, Doug, uh, Joe Douglas would really like at the position. So what's your argument if, you know, if you're talking to a Jets fan, they're like, why are you taking Charlie Kohler? The Jets added CJ Uzama. They added Tyler Conklin. They have Trayvon Wesco, Kenny Uboa. The tight end room is obviously more crowded now than it will be at the time the regular season starts. But what is your argument for taking what may seem like a luxury pick to some? Well, I mean, part of it is uh, Charlie Kohler is a, a third or fourth round pick. And if he's still available at that second, fourth rounder for the Jets, I, the value, I think, is outstanding. So part of it is the value. The second part of it is, uh, you know, looking at tight end. Obviously, they they wanted to upgrade that position. And they clearly did in free agency with the two uh, ads that they made. Um, and I, I don't. I, I, there's a chance they might not be done. I mean, there's a chance that they could look at a guy on day three that they, you know, fill out the rest of that room, give them someone that is, can step up in case there is an injury, give them a long-term answer at the position. Charlie Kohler could be uh, one of those guys that are looking at in the, in the fourth, fifth round air, uh, range. All right, so the Jets have two fifth-round picks as well. Let's start with the first one, pick 146. Defensive tackle, all right? The Jets lose Foley Fadukasi in free agency, now a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You have the Jets adding Eric Johnson out of Missouri State to plug the middle of that defense. What is he like as a prospect? And what do you expect realistically from someone who's drafted in the fifth round in year one? Yeah, this is my highest graded non-combine player. Uh, and uh, I think it's someone that really uh, put him put himself uh, in the draftable range for teams with what he did at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl and then what he did at the Senior Bowl. It was really uh, an impressive player during those practices 
where blockers had a tough time, uh, you know, keeping him contained. He has uh, really good movement skills for that size. He's 6'4", 300 pounds. Um, it, you see the grip strength of his hands. Uh, he stays square with his engagement. Um, and there's there, there's a plan to what he's doing. He's not just out there uh, you know, throwing whatever he can at, at blockers. There's a, a thought process to every single move that he's making so he can win gaps. Um, and it, he's a guy that's still growing, still still learning, and, and I think there's upside there as well. So 6'4", 300 pounds, over 34-inch arms, uh, ran a 4.86 at his pro day, tested really well. The type of numbers that I, I, I know this Jets front office uh, is you know, taking note of. So I would not be surprised if uh, the Jets are one of those teams in, in the fourth, fifth round that look at Eric Johnson and say, okay, this guy can uh, you know, really help us on the defensive line, be a depth piece. But that also has some a little bit of upside where, uh, you know, maybe down the road he could compete for a starting job. Also, something to note, the Jets did also draft a defensive tackle last year. Only played a couple of games. Jonathan Marshall out of Arkansas was the Jets' final pick in 2021. And you know that Robert Sala and Joe Douglas always want to add to the trenches. So I under, I totally understand what you're saying. I think it's a good pick. And I think they're all good picks for the record. So this is how we're going to wrap up this mock draft. Going back to the offense, playmakers in production accelerate the growth of Zach Wilson, accelerate this offense a little bit. Let's go to Missouri. We, we were just in Missouri State. Let's stay there. Tyler Beatty, all right, 5'8", 197 in your draft guide. What do you like about the fit between Tyler Beatty and what the New York Jets want to run? I mean, he just gives them a lot of options. Uh, he's so good catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, he's a guy you want to get in space uh, because he's not the biggest, as you said, he was under 200 pounds, so he's not the biggest. Um, but he can make guys miss. Uh, he's really, really good in the screen game uh, where he's going to create uh, it, when he has the ball in his hands. So, uh, you know, a guy that rushed for over 1,600 yards last year in the SEC, uh, that's not easy to do. So with Tyler Beatty, you see the, the balance, you see field vision, um, the, the pass catching traits. So I think he could be the type of running back you're looking for to, uh, you know, kind of round out that running back room, give you a little bit of uh, versatility with what he brings on when he's on the football field uh, and, and be just a, a, a nice compliment to, uh, you know, Carter and the rest of the guys in that backfield. You know, I just wanted to bring this up real quick last year. So obviously the Jets and 49ers parallels, a lot of people look at the 49ers, what they do, what the Jets do because of their coaching staff with Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur. So Elijah Mitchell last year, six round pick, his height mm -hmm. and weight, 5'10", 200 pounds. Right now you have Beatty in the fifth round to the Jets, 5'8", 197. So I just want to draw the comparison here, maybe not as players, but that both teams enjoy day three running backs like Michael Carter for the Jets last year. The Jets drafted LaMichael P. Ryan in round four. Ty Johnson wasn't drafted by the Jets, but he was a six-round pick of the Detroit Lions. So what is it about the day three running back pick that you think is a popular one for a scheme that the Jets have and what do you think about the Beatty Mitchell comparison if there is one at all yeah no I think there you, you could draw some similarities there um and, and I think it really comes down to uh understanding that the position is very very deep mo more years than not this year especially uh and running backs we'll see a few come off the board uh you know in the first three rounds uh you know Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker and uh, maybe a few others but if you wait till day three, you're going to find some gems at the running back position. We saw it last year. We saw it the year before. We'll see it again this year. And it's all about opportunity. You give a guy like Tyler Beatty an opportunity, uh, he, he's going to be able to take the ball and run with it uh, figurative, figuratively and literally. So, I mean, it's uh, it's something also that, you know, we could draw connections with the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, Kirby Joseph, coached by the Jets in the Senior Bowl. 
uh, with uh, Tyler Beatty, coached by the Jets uh, in a senior bowl. Charlie Kohler, coached by the Jets in the senior bowl. So these guys have uh, – this team has a little more knowledge about these players than maybe some other teams do just because of that opportunity to coach down at Mobile. All right, before I ask you some, some rapid-fire questions about the draft overall, is there a pick in this mock draft that you – like just it's your favorite pick for the Jets or you feel more confident about this pick compared to the other picks for any reason that you choose? Um, it'd probably be a 10 to Jermaine Johnson. Um, I, I think that they, they really like Jermaine Johnson. And it, again, it would not shock me at all if they went that route at number four, just because they were afraid to lose him at number 10. Um, but if they're able to get him at number 10, I think that might be the ideal scenario, regardless of, you know, if they go, you know, whoever they go at number four, if you're able to get Jermaine Johnson, uh, a defensive end who is very stout versus the run, give you some uh, disruptive qualities rushing off the edge, I, I think that's exactly what they're looking for and uh, the type of guy that I know this coaching staff wants to coach. So I, I think Jermaine Johnson at number 10, definitely my favorite in terms of what I think the Jets would love to see happen on draft day. That is a wrap on a mock draft. That's a beautiful mock draft. I think Jets fans would be very excited about what you laid out for them. So now we're going to hit hit you with some general draft questions, and it could sure. be rapid fire if you want. You know, you could be a short, you know, you got to preserve the voice. We talked about it. So you your answers could be just a single name. You could put whatever reasoning you want behind it if you choose. Totally up to you. So let's start with this. Where does the 2022 NFL draft start in your eyes? I... Uh. I won. I mean, I, it's it's kind of crazy. We're 48 hours from the draft, less than, and we don't have a great feel for what the Jaguars are going to do. Um, and even if you believe that whoever goes one will go two, or whoever won't go one will go two, so maybe we know the first two picks, okay, then three. If Houston. Houston's a team that is rebuilding from the ground up. Literally, I think besides quarterback, uh, you know, any positions on the board for them. Um, I, I think they, you know, I, I don't think they're going to go quarterback, but you never know. It's a corner with Lovey Smith's scheme. That's possible there. Uh, somewhere, somewhere in the trenches where they want to go defensive end, want to go offensive line. So, you know, the pick right in front of the Jets there at four uh, with the Texans, that's a big kind of pivot point of the first round, especially the top 10. How about a guy who will be drafted earlier than most people expect? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think that maybe Trevor Penning, I, I think these offensive tackles are going to go quickly. Um, so, you know, if, let's just say we see an offensive tackle go, uh, three to the Texans four, uh, possibly the jets, uh, we could see one go five, uh, to, to the giants. And in that scenario, the Panthers, we know would love to draft a left tackle. Do they take a pass rusher there at five or at six, or would they take Trevor Penning? So I, I think Trevor Penning is going to go a lot earlier than I think a lot of, uh, you know, the mock drafts have him as, uh, you know, a guy that's not going to be off the board until 17 or, or whatever. A good chance Trevor Penning is off the board. Um, the top 10 is possible. Um, I don't think he gets past Baltimore at 14. I love it. Wow. Trevor Penning to the Ravens. That'd be that. I think that tracks anyway. Yeah. How about a guy, same question, but reverse. Who's the guy that you think will be drafted maybe a little later than most people expect? Um, I think that, uh, and part of it's, part of it's injury, uh, but Andrew Booth from Clemson, there's a chance just because we haven't seen him, you know, corners, a stopwatch position, haven't seen him work out because of the injuries that could knock him out of the first round. Um, and then Tyler Linderbaum, 
uh, it's you know we've talked about him uh, talked about him quite a bit uh throughout the year as being this uh really awesome center prospect but at the same time uh he's a center only he's scheme specific and a lot of teams are just going to be out because of that lack of like a length that he has so i would not be surprised at all if tyler Linderbaum uh falls uh, out of the first round and into day two and then you have to wonder okay with Jets having two picks early in the second round, could they be in the mix there for Tyler Linderbaum if he would fall that far? So um, I, I, at this point, it, it seems like uh, Tyler Linderbaum has a, has a real chance to fall. Uh, and on defense, you know, George Karloftis is, is interesting because there's a lot of teams that believe he's a second-round pick. And obviously all it takes is one team to say, okay, you know, he's, he's worth a, a first-round pick. But, you know, obviously we're going to see plenty of second-round grades go in the first round. There's not 32 uh, players graded as first-round uh, players in this draft or, or most drafts. So Karloff still has a very good chance to go in the first round. He plays the right position. He's a good player. But I, I think it's also a, a realistic scenario where he falls in the second round as well. George Karloff does feel like not a lot of people are talking about him right now. Definitely happy you brought him up. The first wide receiver off the board is whom? Mm, that's a good question. I think it'll be one of those three guys in that top tier, Wilson, Drake, London, uh, Jameson Williams. And it could be as early as eight to Atlanta. Um, right now I'll, I'll guess that's Jameson Williams uh, coming off the ACL. Uh, I think that he's a, uh, you know, the, the speed is special and that's what teams are looking for. And for a team like Atlanta, that's rebuilding and they don't need a guy that's going to step in from day one and, and be the guy they can afford to wait a little bit on a Jameson Williams and they're going to take their top ranked uh, receiver. So uh, right now I'll, I'll guess Jameson Williams. And first quarterback off the board and under over pick 10 and a half. De I'll definitely take the over on that. Um, and I'll guess it's Kenny Pickett to the Steelers at 20. Um, I, I don't have a great feel for it. Nobody that I've talked to in the NFL has a great feel for where these quarterbacks are going to land, how how early do we see a run? Um, if the, let me let me throw one at you. Over under two and a half quarterbacks in the first round. That is a great question. Whether I feel like it, you said over under two and a half. Yep, yeah, in the top thirty-two picks, which is tough because uh, you know could we see maybe a few teams in the second round trade into the first just to get you know right. get a get one of these guys, uh, maybe, I don't know. I mean, what, what would your, uh, what would your guess be? I think my gut says no. Uh, under? Because, yeah, under, under. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, my gut would say under, assuming that there's no, like, Carolina pick six and they draft a quarterback and that mm -hmm. drives up, you know, somebody wanting to get somebody, whether it's, let's say Carolina takes Willis or Pickett, somebody else takes the other one, and then another team's like, I don't want to wait till till day two to get Desmond Ritter if that's the guy and they want right. to make sure they get their guy or Corral or whomever. I see that. I want to say under though, because if you're saying that first pick is pick 20 to me, that only leaves that, you know, 12 teams. And a lot of those teams are playoff contenders that have a quarterback. Now the one, the one wild card to me is Detroit at pick 32. And what if two guys have already been selected that I could see that being three, but right now I feel like, my gut says under, even though there is a there is a quarterback capital that maybe drives everything up. So that's how yeah. I see it. You know, I, I could be as right or as wrong as anybody else, but my gut says no, just based on what you and the other evaluators think of the quarterbacks as a whole. 
Yeah, and I would agree with you. I think it's I think it's under. Um, I, and I think we see two quarterbacks go in the first round. Maybe we see someone else sneak in there. Uh, but right now, I will guess I will guess the under. This feels like you know it could be a Lamar Jackson situation in 2018. Mm-hmm. Like at the 11th hour, the Ravens coming in pick 32, and that's the Lions. And I could see the Lions selecting a quarterback there if they wanted to, but also. If they wanted Pickett or Willis and they coached Willis, then, you know, that that's your guy. Maybe you don't wait till 32 and you want to move up. Right. It's going to be fascinating to see how what actually ends up happening, not only a quarterback, but the entire draft. My question to you is, who's the freakiest athlete in this entire draft class? I think I know who you're going to say, and I think it's your guy, but I, I just want to hear it. Uh, I got to go Trevon Walker, and I, I'm guessing – that's who you thought I was going to say. Uh, but Trevon Walker, uh, I mean, guys that are uh, 6'5", 272 pounds, and run a 4.51. Uh, it's not just the 4.51. Um, it's the 154 10-yard that's really, really impressive. Um, that's top five in this class among edge rushers. So, uh, you know, it's for a guy that big to run that that quick right out of the gate, so, so impressive. Um, and he's not just a linear athlete, six, eight, nine, three cone. That change of direction is, is remarkable. The length, 35 and a half inch arms. You can understand why Trevon Walker is being talked about as a potential number one overall pick. When you look at the traits and think about what he can grow into, um, there, is he a risky pick? Sure. Uh, I mean, there, there's still some upside there that is unrealized. There's a projection involved with Trevon Walker. But if you're going to take a, a swing on a, on a guy that has uh, ability, why not take a swing on a, on a guy that's got the best natural ability, the best raw ability in the draft, and that's Trevon Walker. Yeah, I, that is exactly who I thought you were going to say. And that that is, you know, that's standing on your, uh, in, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. It's escaped me, but standing on your beliefs. Let's go with that. That's an easier yeah. way to say whatever I was thinking about it. So, Anyway, you're sticking to your guns. Maybe that's what I was looking for. You're sticking to the guns at the 11th hour. I love it. One last question for you. It's a fun one. Your favorite name in the 2002 NFL draft is what? There's a lot of good ones. Um, I think I'm going to go with Bear Hunter, uh, a center (laughs) from App State. Uh, Of course, he's a center from App State, right? So uh, Bear Hunter, uh, I I think that that's – that's my answer. He's my, uh, let me see. He was my like 36th ranked center in the draft. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that, that would be my answer. A lot of good ones though this year, for sure. Bear Hunter. I mean, yeah. first of all, is it criminal or is it a good thing that it's B-A-E-R, not B-E-A-R? <laughs> right, exactly. So it just kind of put his own spin on it, uh, which is kind of fun. I would love to see Bear Hunter and Smoke Monday in the Oklahoma drill. What do you think about right. that? That's it. A lot of, yeah, Smoke Monday. I think that's that's the favorite. You know, that that's the, right. uh, you know, the I think the the easy answer, um, which is just, you know, obviously an amazing name. Um, but, I, yeah, I got to go. I got to go with Bear Hunter. It's, uh, you know, but the, there's, a, there's a lot of names in this draft that are, that are really interesting. And, you know, we should almost create like a bracket and have people vote on it just <laughs> yeah. to see. You know, who who meets in the final four and who meets for the who meets for the title? So this draft's got some really good ones. Yeah, Bear Hunter might be the champion, but the, I would I would also like to see a um 
a bracket. You know, now that I'm looking at where Bear Hunter is ranked in your mm-hmm. draft guide, a couple names earlier. I don't even know how to say this guy's name, but I'm going to give it a go. It's a lot of vowels. You ready? Yep. Noose Keo Bounum. Yeah, Oregon State. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, I mean, what is it? What was it better? Not better than I would have done, or uh, it probably (laughs) was. No, I mean, sorry, it was probably better than I would have done. So, uh, yeah, no, I think that that's pretty spot on. Okay, all right. Well, Bear Hunter, it is, and that's how we wrap up the pre-draft final episode of NFL Draft Preview. Remember, we're going to have a review after the draft. Dane, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Ethan.